Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm preaching on an exciting topic, verse 28. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 11. Let's continue to pray for Dr. Sammy Allen. He's still in ICU on the ventilator, but showing some improvements. But he's not out of the woods yet, pardon the expression. And we need to pray. Anytime you're on a ventilator, it's serious stuff. Ask Brother Austin Gardner if you don't believe it. <clears throat> he's a miracle. And pray for his voice. He um, <clears throat> is really having trouble with that because uh, that ventilator baked his uh, vocal cords for 28 days, and he'll be our guest preacher on August 11th, and looking forward to that. Then on August 18th, we got Dr. Chris Haints from Colorado. We're going to fly him in. <clears throat> it's always a delight to hear Brother Chris Haints, and then the last service, not having the choir. That's how it spreads, this choir spitting on each other. <clears throat> so we're not having the choir from uh, Philadelphia, which I regret, but we're having uh, Brother Stephen Cofield closing it out, and so I'm excited about my son uh, preaching here. He hadn't preached here in a long time, and uh, it's going to be a good month. We're going to uh, socially distance, or physically distance. We'll be socially uh, close, and uh, we'll have the overflow rooms, and so we'll make it, amen, and I was going to put it off and make it sorry, sep sorry preaching in September, but it, I just couldn't think of a sorry preacher to invite, so we're going to have it. awesome preaching August. 25th year, 25th year, and uh, so we'll be careful, and I uh, hope you'll make it on Tuesday night instead of Wednesday night, which comes up just a couple of weeks, uh, believe it or not. <clears throat> okay, in Hebrews chapter 11, we ended with verse 27, and so I want to read that again because it's such a good verse, and I appreciate the response from the message Wednesday night on your measure your life by your thoughts, and uh, I didn't finish the message, so I'll finish that. Uh, uh, and I posted the outline, but I didn't finish the message, and I never thought there'd be so much thoughts in the Bible about thinking. And uh, boy, as a man thinketh, so is he. Amen? And a penny for your thought. What you think about all day long is uh, who you are, because that's your character, that's your heart. As a man thinketh in his heart, mind, will, and emotion. So I've enjoyed Wednesday night very much, and excited about this series on measuring your spiritual life or evaluating your Christian life in God's perspective. What's he count important? And I'll tell you what he counts most important, and that's his blood. Amen? The blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. Amen? And uh, we believe in the, uh, the book, the blessed hope, and the blood. And the blood of Jesus is essential. Uh, faith in the blood is the title of the message. Appreciate Brother Joel. He got here at 9.30 to help with the broadcast, and he's all by himself. Uh, this morning he's doing the work of three, and he's doing a great job. I don't know how he's doing all three of them, and uh, somebody ought to get back there and help him, but uh, he's doing fine. Amen. Appreciate you so much. Let's stand all the Word of God. Verse 27, 28, I can't wait to preach this message, so we're going to get right to it. The Bible says in verse 27, by faith he forsook Egypt. Good Sunday school lesson this morning, Brother Jack and Miss Rebecca. It says, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now here's our text for this morning. It says, through faith, <clears throat> he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful one verse about having faith in your precious blood. And God, we know it's all by your blood that we're saved. 
because your blood is pure and your blood is unblemished and God, your blood is enough. We thank you for that. We thank you for being saved by, uh, by grace through faith in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and your blood that covered and atoned our sin. So Lord, help us. Help us, dear God, to see what the main message of the Bible is. And Lord, that is the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Save the soul that's closest to hell and help us, Lord, never get over the thrill of being saved. And God, may we be witnesses and light and salt in these last days. And we'll thank you for the chance and the opportunity to proclaim that your blood is enough. In Jesus' name we pray. Help us preach, please. Amen. You know, um, the basic fundamental law of learning and teaching is repetition. Repetition. Uh, TV commercials attest to that. Sometimes we can almost quote the jingle and the song. Um, folks, uh, the world spends thousands of dollars to to repetitively brainwash you into buying their products. Amen? And one time, uh, I think the Bible teaches us that repetition is a great teacher. Preacher asked by another preacher how he made a point stick. And he thought a while and he replied, well, first of all, I tell them what I'm, a, I'm going to tell them. And then he said, secondly, I tell them. And after I tell them what I... I'm going to tell them, I turn around and tell what I've done, told them. In other words, repetition, three times. And, you know, we remember how we used to uh, learn in school. Sixth grade was repetition. Uh, we'd repeat the same principles. I remember when I got in trouble for uh, throwing a spitball in gym class. I got two licks with a razor strap. I remember that. That made a very imp uh, warm impression on my life. I never threw another... Thing. But I had to stay after school in the eighth grade and write, I will not throw spitballs for 400 times on the blackboard. I figured out a way I could do it. I put three pieces of chalk in my hand and I wrote three lines at a time. You couldn't read it, but I wrote it, amen? And so I figured that passed. Repetition. The secret, the secret to learning some principles is repetition. And I believe, folks, the greatest, the greatest teacher in the whole world is the Holy Ghost through the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit knows over and over throughout the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation, which ought to make a revolution in your life, that repetition is a great teacher. The Bible says in John 14, 26, but the Comforter, that's the Holy Ghost, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father has sent in my name, he shall teach you all things. And so the great teacher, the Holy Spirit, knows the fundamentals of teaching. It's over and over again. And I believe the Holy Spirit, the author of the Scriptures, repeats again and again and again that the blood of Jesus, the, the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, or the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses from all sins. Let me repeat that. The, the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses from all sin. That's 1 John 1, 7. I believe that principles all through the Word of God. 
Uh, it's true in Genesis through Revelation. It repeats it again and again. Through illustration and illustration. Through type after type. Through declaration after declaration. At revelation after revelation. That the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses from all sin. For instance, let me call your attention to something. The Old Testament is divided in three sections. The law, the prophets, and the Psalms. The law, the first five books of the law, is known as the Pentateuch. And the heart of the law, in my opinion, is the book of Leviticus. I want you to turn there. Verse seven, chapter 16 and 17. Uh, the, 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 the heart of the book of Leviticus is the description of the feast. And the heart of the feast is the day of atonement. And I believe the heart of the day of atonement or the description of the day of atonement is found in Leviticus chapter 17. We're going to take a journey through the whole Bible this morning. Uh, Leviticus chapter 17. And Brother Bobby Jackson will uh, testify to this because they had to get the blood flow to his heel or it wasn't going to heal. There's life in the blood. Say amen even physically. But look at verse 17, or chapter 17, verse 11, Leviticus. It says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. And so, folks, here's the heart of the, of the um, uh, law, and the heart of the law is the, uh, is the description of the feast, and the heart of the the description of the feast is, is Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, where it says that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses from all sin. Can somebody say amen? And then second of all, we come to the second division of the Old Testament, and that's the heart. Uh, we look at the heart of the prophets. And I believe there's a heart of the prophets. It's the book of Isaiah. And I believe the heart of the Isaiah is chapter 53. In chapter 53, I believe the heart of chapter 53, which is a great verse or chapter to read to Jews to get them saved and get them under conviction, we see that the heart of the prophets is found in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5 and 6. Verse 5 and 6. The Bible says this, um, but he was wounded for our, trans our transgressions. Amen? He was bruised for our iniquity. Thank God for the divine substitute. Amen? And it says, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. It has nothing to do with physical healing. That's spiritual healing. But look at verse 16, or 6. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Do you see the heart of the prophets? The heart of the prophets is Isaiah 53. The heart of Isaiah 53 is found in these verses 5 and 6. What's the Holy Spirit saying in the heart of the prophets, in the heart of Isaiah 53? He's saying this, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses from all sin. Amen? That's your place to say amen. And then third of all, we come to the third division of the Old Testament, and that's the Psalms. And I believe if there's a heart of the Psalms, it would be uh, Psalms 22, 23, and 24. And folks, it's about the suffering Savior in verse 20, chapter 22 of Psalms. You can turn there if you want to. And in verse 23, it's about the uh, good shepherd. And praise God, chapter 14, it's about the chief shepherd. Or 24 is the chief shepherd, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. 
But I want you to, I think the heart of the Psalms is in chapter 22 and verse 1. I want you to look at it. Look at this great, great verse of prophecy. It says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou, why art thou far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? And so he's looking to the cross and he quotes God, Jesus, before he even says it. He says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And so, folks, I believe the heart of the, of the, of the Psalms is uh, chapter 22. And I believe the heart of chapter 22 is verse 1. And by inflammation, uh, the, 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 the Holy Spirit is teaching this principle again, that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses from all sin. Now, you that's been in a religious background all your life, you need to listen to this message very closely. There's no blood of goats or bulls that'll save you. There's no ritual. There's no holy water. There's no holy communion. There's nothing that can save you except the blood of Jesus Christ. He's the only way. We come to the New Testament, and it's divided into three sections. We have the Gospels, and we have the Epistles, and we have the book of the Revelation. And the heart of the Gospel is in the book of John. I believe the heart of the Gospels is found in the book of John. Would you turn there with me? And I believe the heart of the book of John is John chapter 3. John chapter 3. You'll look at that, please. John chapter 3. And look at verse 6, 15 and 16. Y'all know it, but I want you to look at it. I want you to circle it in red this morning. The Holy Spirit's teaching by repetition again. He's gone to the Gospels, and he looks at the heart of the Gospels. And it says in verse uh, 14, And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. We know that's Calvary. And it says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Listen to this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Folks, listen, the heart of the gospel is the book of John. The heart, the heart of the book of John is chapter 3. I believe the heart of the uh, book uh, of chapter 3 of the gospel of John is verse 14, 15, and 16, and what's the Holy Spirit saying? He's saying the same thing he said in the heart of the law. He's saying the same thing he said in the heart of the prophets. He's saying the same thing he said in the heart of the Psalms. He's saying the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses from all sin. And then we come to the second division of the New Testament. This is all introduction. Y'all enjoying it? I am. Amen. Uh, I want you to look at the second uh, section or division of the New Testament, and that's the epistles. And I believe that the, uh, the heart of the epistles is the book of Romans. And I believe the heart of the book of Romans is chapter 5. Chapter 5. So turn with me to Romans chapter 5, and I believe the heart of this great chapter on faith and putting your faith in the blood is the title of our message this morning. I believe it's this. I believe it's verse 8 and 9. The Bible says this, But God commended his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? Much more then, being now justified by his what? Blood. Blood. We shall be saved from the wrath through him. Amen. Can somebody say amen to that? What a great 
verse, the heart of the Gospels. And so folks, what is he saying in the heart of the epistles? The same thing he was saying in the heart of the Gospels. The same thing he was saying in the heart of the law. The same thing he was saying in the heart of the, of the prophets. The same thing he was saying in the heart of the Psalms. That the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses from all sin. From all sin. And you know, folks, we need to realize that. That the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. That whosoever can be saved. Now we come to the last division of the New Testament, and that's the book of Revelation. And I believe the heart of the Revelation is found in chapter 1. And I believe the heart of the chapter 1 is verse 5 and 6. So turn to Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, okay? The Bible says this. I'll wait on you. It says in verse 5, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own, say it class, blood. Look at verse 6. And he hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And I like this good biblical word, amen. Amen. You agree with something, you ought to say amen in a, in a, in a Baptist church, amen. And so folks, what is the Holy Spirit saying in the heart of the revelation? Same thing he was saying in the heart of the law. Same thing he was saying in the heart of prophets. Same thing he was saying in the heart of the Psalms. Same thing he was saying in the heart of the Gospels. Same thing he was saying in the heart of the epistles. That the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, I want to tell you something, friend. There's one thing that the devil attacked. And I'm surprised he hadn't attacked this service. And he's trying. Folks, this, Satan attacked the blood of Jesus Christ. There's some denominations which I wouldn't give you 10 cents for, that are liberal, that are taking out the blood out of the hymns because they think it's a gory religion. And I want to tell you something, friend. There's a lot of translations in the Bible. Good news for mo this modern mess uh, takes out several hundreds of times the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. And folks, I want to tell you something. There's an attack, an all-out attack, but the Holy Spirit's emphasis is this, that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses from all sin. And so, folks, I want to give you three things about the blood of Jesus in closing. Number one, the promise of the blood. The promise of the blood. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we see the first glimpse of Calvary. Right after man's, man's sin, Adam and Eve's sin, the gracious Lord brings a provision, brings uh, a way out to be saved. Thank God for that. And in Revelation chapter, or excuse me, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, it says this. This is the first glimpse of Jesus. He says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between her, thy seed and her seed. The virgin born Mary, uh, gave, I mean, the virgin born Son of God, and it shall bruise thy head, uh, and, and, and that's Satan but thou shalt bruise his heel. That's Jesus. And so folks, victory was won at Calvary and right after man's sin, the promise of the virgin birth in this verse. The promise of the Son of God. And folks, every time you see a little lamb slain, a dove, a goat was slain and the blood pours off that altar, it was pointing to the altar, the final altar, the sufficient altar, the altar of Calvary. 
And folks, the animals were slain. And in our text, we see in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, folks, is that um, there needed to be blood on the lintel of the door so the death angel would pass by. Nothing would spare the firstborn child. And with Cain and Abel, we, we taught that and preached that several weeks ago. Uh, the fruit of man's works was not accepted, Cain. But Abel slew an innocent lamb, an innocent animal, and the blood was shed because that's a pure type. That is a pure illustration of that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses from all sin. And so, folks, number one, we see the promise of the blood. And right after the sin, praise God, there's the promise of the Savior. Say amen. And then second of all, we see the blood is provided. The blood is provided. We have the provision of the blood. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Turn with me to Revelation, excuse me, John chapter 1. I keep trying to go back to Revelation. John chapter 1. And I want you to look at it. Verse 29. John the Baptist is baptizing. Folks, I want to tell you something. If baptism saved you, Jesus would never have to show up. But Jesus showed up. Why did he have to die on the cross? If any work would save you, any baptism service would save you, any communion would save you, why did Jesus have to die? I'll tell you why. Because the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses from all sin. Amen? How many times is they going to say that? I told you repetition is the best teacher. Amen? John chapter 1, verse 29, please. The Bible says this. such a privilege and honor to preach on the way of salvation and the blood of Jesus. The Bible says the next day, John, the next day, John seeing Jesus coming unto him and said, right in the middle of the baptism service, Behold, the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Say amen right there. And so folks, listen, the blood on the doorpost in our text was enough. It was the only way. It had to be a perfect lamb. It had to be applied. It had to be appropriated. It had to be believed in. And that son was spared on that last plague that set the children of Israel free. And folks, it was a type, it was a shadow, it was a forecast that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses from all sin. God provide, provided in Jesus Christ a perfect sacrifice and a substitute. He's the Lamb of God. And folks, it was one that satisfied God's justice. It's called propitiation in 1 John. Look at Isaiah 53 verse 10. I knew I'd have to go back to that chapter. Isaiah chapter 53, the gospel of the Old Testament. And look at verse 10. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 10. The Bible says this, and I want you to see it very closely, that God was satisfied, was satisfied with the offering of his son. Look at verse 10. Good to hear those pages turning. It said in verse 10, by the way, I'd like to play a choir special tonight. I miss the choir so very much. So, amen. Y'all can't sing because you'll be too close, but y'all can flat listen to yourselves sing. I want to get that choir special up tonight if we can find that. Here, I'm going to put more pressure on Joel. But look at verse 10. The Bible says this, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. 
That's you and that's me. It says, he shall prolong his days. There's the resurrection. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. And verse 11 says, he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous service justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. So it's a sacrifice. It was a substitute. But it's a satisfying of God's justice. For the wage of sin is death. Somebody had to die, but Jesus took your death. And the only way he took your death is the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. I'll tell you, when the, when the Lord was, uh, when, when uh, Mary gave birth to the Lord in that manger, that little lean-to stable or that cave out back, the angel showed up and the angel said into this, into that whole group, especially those, uh, those poor little shepherds, he said this, he said, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. A Savior. You know, in Christ, we're saved. In the church, we can be sour. We can be unsatisfied. But I want to tell you something. In Christ, in Christ alone, we are satisfied. Reminds me of a little rooster one time that was riding on a big elephant's back. And they went across a swinging bridge. And after they got across that swinging bridge, that rooster said, did you feel that bridge shake when we went over it? Folks, listen, I'm just that little old rooster riding into heaven on the blood of Jesus. He did it all. He deserves all the glory. He deserves all the praise. He deserves all the honor. And certainly, we ought to have the emphasis in our life over and over again to a lost and dying world that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses from all sin. Amen? And then last but not least, we see the power of the blood. We see the power of the blood. Folks, there's power to forgive. Aren't you glad you're forgiven? How many of you were saints before you were saved? I don't think so. Some of y'all were ain'ts, amen? You ain't good enough to be saved, amen? And you were sorry and you were sinful and the devil had a hold on your life and God redeemed you. And folks, some of you are just good religious people and some of you are just good little boys and little girls, but you had to get saved the same way. And folks, would you be free from uh, the burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Would you over evil a victory to win? There's power in the blood. First John 1, 7, the Bible says, In whom we have redemption, through the blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Ephesians 1, 7 ought to be memorized by every saint of God. Folks, we don't have the ability to agonize or, or to pray through. Folks, we just need to claim that there's power in the blood to forgive us. And our sins is cast as far as the east, is from the west, and they're buried in the sea of, of, uh, of never remembering again. Thank God we're saved and their past can be concluded and be under the blood. The devil tries to come and, and rehearse what, what you were before you saved. You need to go to the devil and say, tell him this. Say, hey, listen, it's under the blood, devil. And go back to hell where you belong. Say amen. Number two, we see the power of cleansing. In 1 John chapter 1 Verse 8, it says, if we say that we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But it says, but if we'll confess our sins, verse 9, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Aren't you glad you're clean today? Amen? 
I think you ought to take a bath at least once a week, especially on Saturday night before you come to church on Sunday. It's refreshing, amen? Not just to you, to everybody that's around you. Even though we might be socially distanced, they know if you took a shower or not. And there's something about a hard day's work and having all that dirt and filth on you and maybe out there mowing grass or whatever, and you come in and take a, a, a refreshing shower, and you're clean. And everybody in the house rejoices that you're clean. But folks, I want to tell you something. The greatest cleansing is not without, but it's within. And God cleanses us from all sin. The power of the blood keeps working after we're saved, and we can confess. That means call it what God calls it. Not just saying, I've sinned, and then I'm going to go sin again. But it's judging it as God judges it. And it's realizing that that sin put Jesus on the cross, and there's repentance from that sin. Amen? We confess our sins. Not just list it and name it, but repent of it. That he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Number three, there's power of reconciliation. You know, the Bible tells us to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses of sin. Folks, thank God our sin separated us from the Lord, but his blood brought us nigh unto him. Amen? We're brought nigh by the blood. We're in fellowship. We're in sonship. We're in the family of God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in uh, verse 21, for we, he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Folks, listen, he became sin for us. Don't expect, expect me to understand that. I just believe it. And thank God, folks, we can be made the righteousness of God. And when Jesus, when God sees us, he sees his son. And when Jesus, God sees us, he sees the blood, say amen. The blood is applied, and we're saved. And may I say we're safe. Thank God. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, and having made peace through the blood of the cross, of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. You're reconciled. You were alienated. You was an enemy of God. You were distant, and you were dead in your sins and trespasses. And the Lord brought you to life and brought you to himself through the blood of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 says this, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Nigh means to squeeze close. And folks, I want to tell you something. He's not only my father in heaven, he's my He's my life, and he is, he is my heartbeat, and he lives within me, all because of that day, March 15, 1964, when I came down the aisle and I accepted the full payment of Calvary and believed that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses from all sin. And then last but not least, there's power not only to forgive and power to cleanse and power to reconcile, but there's power to redeem. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, it's hard for us to understand redeemed because in the Bible days, the Roman soldiers would take the Israelites and, and uh, the Jews and they would make them slaves. And they'd actually auction them off. And so folks, if there's anybody that ought to praise God, it ought to be those people that want liberation and want equal rights. I'm going to tell you something. 
All lives matter to God. And for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, amen? And folks, he is the liberator and he's the one that made women equal with men and, and he's the one that set the, the, the slave free. Amen, folks. The Bible is a book of liberation from bondage. And folks, the Bible says as in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19 about redeeming. That means bought with a price. That means brought off the slave market and become a, a free person to serve the, the new master. And it's not a slavery, it's a servanthood. You want to serve God once you've been redeemed, amen? It's your reasonable service by the mercies of God that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I don't think any preacher ought to get up here and try to beg people to serve God. You ought to want to serve God because you're saved by the blood. Folks, you're cleansed, you're reconciled, you're forgiven, but you're redeemed, you're bought. You're set free. These hands are no longer my own. These ears are no longer my own. This mind that's failing me is no longer my own. This body's no longer my own. This life, this attitude's no longer my own. I'm bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, your disposition, which are the Lord's. Because you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. But I want you to see this. It says, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things. First Peter chapter 1, verse 18. That's silver and gold. From your vain conversation, that's your way of life or religion, received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Folks, you're redeemed. You're redeemed by the precious Blood of the Lamb. You're set free. You're not going to hell. You're going to heaven. You're not a bond slave of, of the devil. You're a servant of the living God because the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. Thank God. Let me close with this illustration. I hadn't used it in years. And I might not remember it all. But A.J. Gordon was a great preacher in the past. He tells this touching story. He's pastoring in Boston and he's studying and studying and studying as a lot of pastors do on a Saturday afternoon. And his eyes were tired and a little red, so he walked out of the office and down the street and after a while, he saw a little child coming from the field. And he, he had a cage in his hand and in the cage were some field birds. And Dr. Gordon uh, walked up to the little fellow and said, Sonny boy, what do you have in that cage? He said, oh, just some old field birds, sir. He said, what you, where'd you get them? He said, I trapped them. And Dr. Gordon said, uh, well, what are you going to do with them? He says, I'm going to play with them, and then after I play with them, I'm going to feed them to my cat. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to let them be the meal for my cat. And Dr. Gordon's heart was crushed as he looked at those little in that cage, those little old field birds who had been wild and were making, uh, were not making a sound, just down in the corner of the uh, the bottom of the cage. If you ever seen little trapped animals, that's the way they act. And uh, they were laying down on the bottom of that cage, not making a sound, just lifeless. You can see their little hearts vibrating in their body. Doctor Gordon could not stand the thought of those little field birds being fed to a cat. 
So he tried to hold back the tears and he looked at the fellow and he said, Sonny boy, would you sell me those birds? He said, Mister, you don't want these birds. Oh, he said, yes, I, I, want, I want them. Will you please sell them to me? Mister, you don't want these birds. These, these are just field birds. I trapped them in the field. Uh, no, I want those birds. I really want those birds, Dr. Gordon said. He said, sir, you don't want those birds. Um, they're not canaries. They don't, they don't sing. You don't really want to pay for these little old field birds. He reached in his pocket and said, how much do you want for those birds? I'm willing to pay you whatever you asked. And the little boy said, Mister, they're not canaries again. They're just, they can't sing. He said, I don't care if they can sing or not. I want those birds. How much for those little birds? And finally, the little boy said, Well, if you, if you insist, I'll sell them for $2 and throw in the cage. And Dr. Gordon said, Okay. And he pulled off $2 and handed, handed the little boy, and he took the cage of the birds and began to walk down. Uh, the street, a little path near the woods. And after several steps, the little boy looked back to see what that crazy man wanted with those birds. And Dr. Gordon, holding the cage, looked at them, and they were still frightened to the point they couldn't make a sound or couldn't move. Looking at it, Dr. Gordon, as he knew they were going to their death. And Dr. Gordon, after a few blocks, turned into an alleyway, Walked to an opening and looked to see if nobody was looking. And Dr. Gordon opened the door of the cage and he said, Fly up, little birds, fly up. But they were so afraid they wouldn't fly. And Dr. Gordon tapped the bottom of the cage and he said, Fly up, little birds, you're free. Fly up, little birds, you're free. Dr. Gordon said, One by one, the little birds got up, shook themselves in disbelief, and looked at the opening of the, of the cage. And they went out, and they flew out one by one. And Dr. Gordon said it seemed as if they were singing, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed. And after um, those birds flew out, Dr. Gordon went back and pinned the closing to his message. Said, Friend, one day you were like little birds that were trapped. Satan had you in a cage of sin was taking you to hell. And then Jesus went to the cross, paid the price for our release, and redeemed us with his precious blood. And now we can sing. And now we can rejoice. Day by day, step by step, moment by moment, week by week of our little fragile life, redeemed, redeemed. I've been redeemed. Thank God for the promise of the blood. Thank God for the provision of the blood. And thank God, thank God for the power of the blood. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this message. Thank you for the privilege to preach once again on the blood of Jesus, which ought to be a preacher's favorite topic. The cross, the death, the burial, the resurrection. And Lord, I pray, dear Lord, that you would help us to never get over being released, being redeemed, being cleansed, being forgiven. Oh, redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. And God, I pray for the lost and dying world that's never heard this story and never heard this repetitious teaching all through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation that the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses from all sin.
Let me say this morning, preacher, I know that I've been saved. I've been redeemed. I know that the blood of Jesus has been applied to my heart and I'm forgiven and I am set free by the blood of Jesus and I know I'm saved. Would you raise your hand as a happy testimony of that? No one looking? Everybody saved in here? How many glad you saved? Say amen. And we can, we can sing it all day long, redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. Is there anyone here to say, preacher, I'm not saved? Or maybe somebody listening by way of internet. We don't know who's listening, but it's no accident that you might have tuned in and got a hold of this program, got a hold of this particular service. Maybe the Lord Jesus Christ is working in your life. Maybe you're afraid to die because all this virus going around, all this violence going around. But I want to tell you something. The only provision for heaven is the blood of Jesus Christ. The only path is the path to Calvary. The only way is, is Jesus Christ, for he's the way, the truth, and the life. And I beg you, right where you're at, to turn your life over to the Lord and get saved and trust him. Just pray a prayer. Something like this, Dear Lord, I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I believe that your blood is enough, and he'll save your soul. He'll save your soul right where you're at. But is there anyone in here to say, Preacher, I'm not saved. I've been religious, but I'm not saved. I've been trying to get right, but I'm not saved. But I'd like to be saved, and I want you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up real high for prayer, and then we'll not point you out or come to you. We'll do the most we can do for you. We want to pray for you. Anyone? Anyone? Have me say, preacher, I'm saved, but I know someone that's not. And they're trusting religion. They're trusting their own self-righteousness. Uh, they're trusting uh, their heritage or whatever, but they're not really saved. I don't believe they're saved. And I want God to use my life as a, as a rejoicing, redeemed child of God to affect their life, to witness to their life, to reach them before it's too late. I want you to pray with me for them. Would you slip your hand up for someone that you know is lost? All over this place. All over this place. And there's millions and millions around the world that's never heard the gospel. And these precious couples that we're going to have in October and Brother Kevin's going to preach, uh, we're going to send more out around the world because they've never heard the precious story, the precious truth that the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses from all sin. Father, use this message. Ring in our soul, engrave it in our hearts. I know it's been somewhat repetitious, but Lord, I believe the Holy Spirit had me be repetitious this morning because we need to drive home the fact and the fabulous relationship that we have with you because of the precious, precious blood of the Lamb. May we not be ashamed of it, May we proclaim it to a lost and dying world. May we find some souls that are caged up by sin and religion. And may God they be set free, not by us, but by the message that we give them that the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses from all sin. And we'll thank and praise you for the souls that are saved. In Jesus' name, amen.